0: And it's, and like every doctor who studies it is like, don't fucking call it the violence gene, you monsters. Um.
1: Hello, pals and gals, and welcome to another episode of XOXO Riverdale. This is the penultimate episode of our season.
0: And I'm Kate Batter.
1: And I'm Louie Perlman. I am so excited. Sometimes I say this at the top of episodes, sometimes I forget to. Follow us on Twitter, XOXO River Pod. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Communicate with us. We love everybody that listens to our podcast. Um,
0: I want to say hello to our new listener, my mom, who's probably only on episode like 10. So it's going to take a while to get here. But when she does, she'll be like, oh.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, My old roommate, Casey, and my new roommate, Marty, were hanging out on Sunday. And Casey said, and this was very sweet. I don't watch Riverdale because I don't really like it. But I listen to the podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my mom doesn't watch the show. And she's... Like she puts it on when she's sewing and she has to like blast it over the sewing machine. And my dad keeps thinking she's like trying to talk to him. <laughs>
1: yeah, like... We have such great listeners that use this podcast for such functional reasons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, lots of fun social media stuff this week.
0: Yeah, um, Lily wrapped Hustlers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see
1: what kind of movie that is. And if yeah, it's good. I mean The
0: cast is so good.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Um, five of them attended the Met Gala. I think one of them understood camp, but one, a different person was cited as understanding camp.
1: Oh, let's, let's break this down then.
0: So Camilla, Charles and Lily did not understand camp.
1: (laughs) Well, Camilla, do you, do you understand the inspiration of her dress? What was it? Okay, so uh, um, bear with me while I look it up. I saw it on her Instagram.
0: I know. Yeah, you did. She did have like an inspiration. Someone else did too. Had her awesome dress
1: clothes. was a direct, um, it was a direct reference to a, a quote about what camp is, which I thought was right. interesting.
0: I thought it was interesting, but I felt like it. The quote itself, like, wasn't solid. So
1: well, I, I mean, camp. It's difficult because. You know, Camp. You kind of here it is. So, so the the designer of Camilla's dress, who was Prabal Guring. <laughs> cool. Uh, he was inspired by a Susan Sontag quote, which is "Camp right. is a woman walking around in a dress made of three million feathers." Right. Yeah, which is it's weak. It's agreed. Weak. And then, like,
0: it was inspired by, it, which meant it like missed the mark.
1: And also it kind of like, you know, you get into this sort of, the theme being camp, you get into this weird gray area where it might be appropriation of gay culture and queer culture.
0: Well, did you see Lena Waits?
1: No, tell me.
0: So she wore like a suit and it seemed like a plain suit. And then in the back it said uh, gay black men invented camp.
1: Oh, that's, oh, that's really weird. cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. And yes. it's completely true. Yeah. Um. Uh, so who got it right? Who got it right?
0: I think Cole got it.
1: Yeah. What was Cole wearing again? A, a weird suit. Yeah. He was wearing like a suit with like splatters on it and stuff. Right?
0: Yeah. And like flowers and stuff. But like, I felt like he like carried it.
1: Yeah. Well, Cole is sort of at his best somewhat foppish.
0: Yeah. And I think it like, There was this level where like some of them like were told they were wearing camp, but like didn't understand it. And I think part of carrying off camp is understanding what
1: you're doing. Very much so. There needs to be an uh, awareness that is above just the base of what you're doing for sure.
0: And then a lot of, Madeline made a lot of lists of people who like actually nailed it and I disagree.
1: Oh, I'll look that up. That's really cool though. Uh, I like that she's that involved, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool that she made these lists, but, like, I don't think it was camp.
1: Yeah, 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 She, she missed the mark. You know, this is the thing to remember about these guys is we hold them to a high accountability, but they're very young, and they're really just parsing their way through the world. So for Madeline, who's in her early 20s, to miss the mark on a definition of a, like, queer subculture that's existed since, you know, the 30s, 40s, i i get it it's okay yeah when i (laughs) think of like
0: the people that nailed it they all are like i think janelle Monet was the youngest
1: uh yeah and janelle Monet has a really deep understanding of queer culture and is a contributor very much so to modern queer culture so it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah janelle Monet, i think is really you know, this is a little off topic, but I think it, it's interesting in relation to Riverdale, which does trade in some of these tropes. Mm-hmm. Janelle Monet is really at the intersection of popular culture, queer culture, and geek culture in a way that, and music culture and hip hop culture yeah. in a way that I can't really name anyone who's on such a. Uh, you know, high visibility level that's doing anything like that. So yeah. I, I've always found her really impressive. Yeah, yeah, she
0: was great. Michael Hurry was great. Surprised, Ryan Murphy was great.
1: Oh, good for you, Ryan Murphy.
0: Um, I mean, Billy Porter obviously was. was <laughs>
1: dope.
0: And I will say that all Joan Collins was there, and truly, all she had to do was show up. <laughs> 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 like it was. She was gonna nail it.
1: But you know, she showed up as her character from Dynasty. I know, which is really smart, and that's the thing. Like, if like in thirty years there's a Met Gala where um like Lily Reinhardt shows up dressed as Betty Cooper, that will be camp, you know? Yes, I feel yeah. like it's
0: so interesting to me because I feel like so much like there is this like difficulty of trying to be high fashion and following the theme at the Met. Gala, like that is like a thing, but I feel like high fashion is so like easily camp.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like it's often camp almost inadvertently.
0: Yeah. Like, that's why I hate that. Like so many people must have, and I think that Jared Leto did a good job too, even though I hate him. And a
1: lot of people didn't think he did. Oh, what, what, what did he do? He carried his own head. Oh yep. I think that that is correct. (laughs) And Ezra Miller was good. Yeah, Ezra looked good. Uh, I was proud of him as always, my little baby boy, Ezra Miller. Yeah, you know, you know who I used to. I taught him comedy for like five years. I know you know that, right? We probably I think we talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, I'm proud of everything Ezra does, and I invented him. (laughs) No, (laughs) so not. (laughs) He would think that was funny if he heard that. So I feel comfortable saying it.
0: And I think we can all agree that famous actor Ezra Miller listens to the podcast.
1: Listens to XOXO Riverdale.
0: Yeah. For my mom, he was the intern in Trainwreck.
1: Oh yeah, he's great in Trainwreck. Yeah, so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Ezra does Google me every once in a while and uh, and has listened to like five minutes of this yeah, at he some was point. Also
0: fantastic Beasts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want social media news. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't want to drag him too much. Uh-huh. But yesterday Rob Rako did a Facebook uh-huh. live or an Instagram live, my apologies. Yeah. With him just like annoyingly banging on a drum kit. Like in not sort Rob of his
0: Instagram is like he's a drummer. No
1: discernible fashion. No, but no, it's not like he was like really playing the drums. And then KJ was sitting in the corner, just sort of watching.
0: You know what, I think I started to see this, but my phone was actually on full volume, so I just like went to the next thing.
1: Yeah, it made me very annoyed. Uh, <laughs> it was what I call non-content, <laughs> which also might be the definition of this entire podcast, but that might be another discussion. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I and mean, one other thing I want to talk about, which is that
0: we've had several listeners highlight the exploitation, particularly of KJ Abba consistently taking off his shirt during the show.
1: Yes, this seems to be something that is being discussed, which I think is a positive thing.
0: Yes, however. and I think it's perfectly valid. Yes. What I want to say is that none of this is being said about the women. And I think not only is that unfair, but the criticism women get when they take off their shirt is 30-fold of what men do. So like, however KJ's feeling is valid and whatever negative feedback he's getting that upsets him is valid, but it's like so, so much worse for the women and they are not getting any support.
1: Well, it's just, it's just the, it's the typical sexist double standard. Yeah. uh, Especially in entertainment, you know, because it's like when you get cast, on a show like Riverdale and you're a woman mm-hmm. it is assumed that you're going to be sexualized yeah well when something that riverdale is is different about than se- uh, several other shows of this ilk is that the men are also sexualized uh-huh. you know y- y- you know what i mean though it's like the show really revels in in the, 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 the young, lithe body in all its forms. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and, I just you know, feel like, that's like KJ
0: has said, like, you know, when he signed on, he knew he was going to take his shirt off like every episode. He didn't really like that. And then you see Lily like having to speak out about eating disorders every day. Yep. Like, absolutely. How, like, difficult it is. As she, we don't see Betty topless, but we like, or like in a bra, but like she is still fully clothed, consistently harassed.
1: And we actually have seen Lily in scantily clad scenes. Oh, that's right. Somewhat yeah. often in the show. Yeah. You know, we certainly have. Uh, her, you know, the three female leads, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quite often, uh, Madeline certainly is in very scantily clothes very often. There was that there's there is the you know um, Camilla Mendez, that weird outfit with the boob window. As yeah. much as I made fun of it, it's that's a somewhat sexualized exploitive outfit. Mm-hmm. This is this is part of the show. This is part of the show that should be because there's nothing wrong with being attracted to actors. Mm -hmm. and performers should be fun. But the reason why I think that it's worth a bigger discussion as to why it can go from being not playful and fun is that it takes an unhealthy toll on the actors because we societally don't have a good relationship with our bodies.
0: Yeah, I I think it's also fair to criticize that like often it is gratuitous and you can tell when it is. Mm-hmm. But like Right now we're in this run where KJ is shirtless every episode because he is boxing and that's functional.
1: Yes, absolutely. Where what about like- though, just, just because it happened in this episode, do you think that scene really needed to happen in a steam room? I thought it was really effective. He
0: didn't, but the yeah. boxing matched it. Also, did you notice the bear claws were on his arm too?
1: Oh, is that new? <laughs> I think it's new. Oh boy. Um or maybe we just haven't noticed it before. Maybe I'll give the show credit that we just haven't noticed it before. I mean, we'll get to the steam room scene when we get to it. Yeah. Uh, but thinking. it was somewhat it was somewhat unnecessary but also did thematically make a lot of sense. Um on a base on like kind of this base level, but we'll we'll talk about it. But uh I think that my feelings is that there's nothing wrong with enjoying, you know, as I said before, enjoying actors and actresses Mm -hmm. uh, who are doing things that are sexy on screen. I think that it's that we have to have a healthier attitude towards it. And we also need to acknowledge that, I think something that would go a long way is media needs to move forward and acknowledge that lots of different types of bodies and lots of different types of personalities can be sexy. Instead of this sort of like, chiseled from marble ideal that we have of like men you know the way kj looks the way all the men look on the show and the way all the women look on the show it's like you know the amount of time and effort spent on thinking about diet and thinking about workout schedules yeah um it's 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 like it's it's just it's it's a really sort of bonkers unreported part of their job and the job of a lot of actors. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. All right. Shall we talk about the episode?
0: Yeah, because it was crazy.
1: It was, I, I loved it. How you- It was you, really good. Yeah, you liked it, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was just like, it was packed.
1: Yeah, it was packed with stuff. Now, something I actually want to say right before we delve into this episode is I had a big text with my friend Shannon on uh, the other night, you know, like a th- few days before this episode aired, where we concocted this whole theory mm-hmm. that Jughead maybe was the Gargoyle King.
0: We talked about this last week, but debunked it because he's been in scenes with the Gargoyle King.
1: Yes, he's been in scenes with the Gargoyle King, but what if he's orchestrating the whole thing? Now, I do not think anymore that he is based no, on yeah. the events of this episode. Right. But... I think that it was so convenient how quickly he found the, the manual. Mm-hmm. And also if you just think about the way he's treated Betty for the entire season, mm-hmm. him wanting to keep her safe. Yeah. If it ended up being a plot line about like a creepy toxic man who's like trying to control his girlfriend. Yeah. That would have been totally amazing. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's my juggy, and I don't want him to ever do anything bad because he's right. my fave, but I just think it's interesting. But that was that's the end of this. That's the end of this theory. This episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, this is the first episode. Just to start off, this is the first episode in a while where Jughead is narrating again.
0: Yeah, and there was important stuff in the narration.
1: Do Do you think this means that? there's sort of, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but that he's writing again and for a long time he wasn't writing because he's been so thrown off by what's going on in the town. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, that's a little bit of a stretch. Anyway, yeah.
0: I think this episode was loaded and I think it's setting up for a really big cliffhanger in a way that we haven't gotten with other seasons because they were doing this one so sure of having a next season
1: yes absolutely i think we're gonna have a major cliffhanger agreed yeah. anyway yeah so yeah good narration there is a great carrie reference which is yes. sort of
0: deadliest prom since carrie's
1: and i like that carrie as a reference has sort of just become part of these kids vernaculars the musical exactly yeah like it's it's cool to bring that back right now i feel
0: mm-hmm. um and then dr curdle
1: Yeah, we had our Dr. Kirtle show for the episode. He
0: talked about the telltale hand. Yes. And like, truly fucked up in his like, in what he does as a job for him to have not noticed that it was like, cut off and not like ripped off.
1: Yeah, until like that part. Until like Betty brought it up. I still feel like because we haven't seen his hood yet. Uh Uh-huh. That there's some sort of twist with the black hood that we're not that we're we're not I don't know if it's necessarily Hal.
0: I don't know. I'm fairly confident as Hal.
1: There's a scene in the next episode uh-huh. blurb that happened at the end where we see Hal take off his hood. But I have a I just have a feeling like something's going on with the black hood that we don't know yet. You know what? Um I hope not. <laughs> Well, what if it's a really fun twist?
0: I'm just. We're two full seasons into The Black Hood.
1: What if it's Sweet Pea?
0: (laughs) This show's still a Sweet Pea.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Anyway.
0: Um, So, uh, Hiram wants to privatize Riverdale against Schitt's Creek.
1: Yes. uh, uh, This is either a Schitt's Creek reference, which is probably what it is, Uh or this has happened in the comics before as well which i like this has okay. been a, a plot line in the comics that Hiram wants to privatize Riverdale
0: okay so it could be either but i hope it's a shits creek reference
1: i mean wouldn't it be great to do a shits creek crossover oh my god
0: oh my gosh oh let's talk about it <laughs> i just want moira everywhere
1: in the off-season of Riverdale, I really urge our listeners to watch Shit's Creek. It's just a wonderful show.
0: Yeah, the first four seasons are on Netflix.
1: Yeah, and soon the fifth season will be too, so. Yeah,
0: po- the fifth season popped up in a couple countries on Netflix today.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: Not the uh, U.S. or Canada, but that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and his then... His good pal Governor Dooley's okay with privatizing a town in his state.
1: Yeah, so it's fine, because Governor, yeah. Governor Dooley says it's fine, Yeah.
0: And then, okay, so this next scene is, like, Archie and Veronica talking over what's happening. Mm-hmm. And Archie says my favorite line of the whole episode. Oh, what was it? Yeah, Ronnie, your dad sucks.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Archie's really internalized and processed the trauma that's been inflicted by, by Hiram.
0: And, like, finally someone just, like, said... Yeah, like, he sucks.
1: Yeah, this is all the stuff that we've been saying. Yeah. I, part of me thinks that someone who wrote this episode has been listening to our podcast. I have to say, Kate, there's a few little hints, and that was one of them. I should hope so. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> anyway,
0: uh, my next, do you have anything else to say about that scene?
1: Just that it's still a lot of a mechanation with this whole fake deed thing. Like, yeah. this does not hold up. You can't forge deeds, say they're fake, and then be like, so I still own this. Yeah, no. Like, you can't do that. So this whole plot point is very dumb. Right. Uh, I still think it's dumb. That's all.
0: Yes. So Betty sees that Evelyn is on dialysis. I knew... Oh, it was dialysis. I think we're not supposed to know it's dialysis, but that was clearly
1: dialysis. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I wrote blood machine. Okay. I'm kind of glad it ended up being dialysis because it could have been something dumb. Yeah. It's not dialysis. Like it could have been something more weird and culty.
0: Yeah, it could have been.
1: But But, (laughs) yeah, it was dialysis.
0: Okay, and then we get our new Sarah Florence character, who plays into the women's college stereotype of a big ol' lesbian.
1: Was she a lesbian?
0: She didn't say, but she was.
1: How do you know, Kate? She could have been a bit more of a butch uh, straight woman.
0: Yeah, I think she was a lesbian.
1: Oh, wow. This is really problematic. And I'm really upset about this. Yeah.
0: It is, but do you disagree?
1: I mean, I didn't really think much about her sexuality.
0: I think it's also because she reminded me of the woman in *Legally Blonde*.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, And then, why do they need a crime committed in real time? Uh,
0: beats me.
1: Yeah, this is a little you know, bit like, of uh,
0: a. For? forgery, forging the deeds. That's yeah, it. Get,
1: I get him it. out! Of, get him out of there! Yeah.
0: I solved <laughs> it. I solved the crime.
1: Yeah, like he forged the deeds. We know this now. Arrest him. Goodbye. Yeah. Regardless. And then we have this whole scene about Betty having serial killer genes.
0: Right, which I looked
1: up. And is it real?
0: It's not quite what they presented as. Yeah. So there is a gene that so far seems to present in people who experienced childhood trauma. Uh-huh. And in some instances, but not a consistent amount of instances, those people have had a predilection towards violence. Uh huh. But it's, is it this gene that develops or is it the trauma that causes this? And it's, and like every doctor who studies it is like, don't fucking call it the violence gene, you monsters.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a- uh,
0: And that's only the first half of the gene. Let me look up this second half because that, that was the MAOA, but then they said CDH13.
1: Yes. Yeah, I have a little bit to, little bit to add on this too, but I'm kind of glad we're breaking this down because like, you know, this is sort of, I don't just blame Riverdale for this. This is where a lot of like pop culture plays fast and loose with mental health issues. And it's like not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's irresponsible at this point. And it's it's sort of about terminology and phrasing. You know, like, I think it's sort of time to stop calling characters psycho, for example, because a lot of people have, you know, um, psychoses. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, it it dehumanizes them. You know, I think that's a problem. You know, calling uh, characters crazy that sort of thing. Like, I think it's sort of time to move beyond that, you know. Um, you know, you think about, like, typical comic book villains, you know, like the Joker, for example. It's like, oh, he's crazy. He's a psycho. It's like, why can't he just be evil? You know what I mean? It's a it's a change in terminology.
0: Yeah. It's, so this seems to be, like, a connective tissue disorder.
1: Yes. Yeah, so Betty has... But you might need some physical therapy, maybe take some supplements. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's like I'm not even getting results for, like, what it does to you. It's just, like, a thing. Oh, here we go. Uh, The function of uh, T-Kedharin, which is what it is, uh, is still, like, largely unknown. When it's expressed in the heart, aortic wall, and neurons of the brain, has and spinal cord and small vessels of the spleen and organ. And it seems to be something that may cause sclerotic lesions, but like they're not really sure and doesn't seem to really have an effect on you. It's just like a thing you have.
1: So it's basically something that's like kind of a non issue that they made into being an issue for yeah, the sake of the like
0: show. Back on the end. Like, yeah. Like we want to, you know, we did this DNA test and we found a real valid thing about you that we can also th- throw this other thing and throw you under the bus.
1: Yeah, but it's also a way for them to exploit her, because regardless of whether they're telling the truth or not, as we learned through the episode, they're using it for evil purposes.
0: Yeah. And then they say their dad doesn't have it, which like I'm not fully understanding of genes, but I'm Pretty sure one of her parents has to have it,
1: yeah. So I guess that means that, um, I guess that means that uh, that Alice has it, so maybe Alice is a psycho killer,
0: but Alice said she didn't have it. Keska, first of all, Keska say, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, they said that no one in the family had it except for Betty,
1: uh, yeah. Betty somehow, you know, inherited it from no one, yeah, unless maybe
0: it's recessive, I don't know,
1: yeah, anyway. So then Betty goes into a session.
0: Yeah, which clearly is almost immediately clearly going to be hypnosis and turns into overall a big get out reference.
1: True, very true. Uh, Big, it is, it mirrors get out stuff. Here's a question that I have. Do you think that all the fizzle rock stuff that's happened this season and also like the fact that the farm has given, like gave Kevin hallucinogens? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's was all a red herring, and it's like really all sound hypnosis?
0: I think it. It seems like it, it leans really heavily into the sound hy- hypnosis.
1: Yeah, fizzle- I, I'm a little disappointed by that because I'd like them to link the drugs element with the farm. I yeah. feel like that would be satisfying, you know?
0: Yeah, but now they've established the farm as like way worse than Fizzle Rocks.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to that because that was just the best revelation ever.
0: Yeah, um, so Betty meets Dark Betty. Yes. Which, okay, so here's the thing that I thought was interesting was that this was clearly presented as Dark Betty. And I think this was hinted to what was happening later in the episode is that this Dark Betty did not have that wig.
1: This Dark Betty, well, but this was what she was convincing herself she was seeing. Yes. And in this scene, Betty was played by, Dark Betty was played by Lily.
0: Right. Which, but I think though that like if the show wasn't setting it up for this not actually being Betty, they would have done, they would have presented her in a more like Dark Betty clothes, Dark Betty. Oh,
1: I see. Like as that persona.
0: Yeah. Because that is how Betty sees her Dark Betty.
1: That is fair. That is fair. It's interesting. It's an interesting line because I mean, I'd love to see the arc of Betty and I'm sure this is sort of where they're going with her, her like coming to terms with her demons mm-hmm. and realizing very much like the Hulk in the Marvel movies yeah. that this is an asset and not a detriment to her personality. Yes. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some, something is somewhat symbolic hear that she's coming to terms with that and that her alter ego isn't such a bad thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Except
1: when her alter ego gets on stage and sings uh, Mad World. Yeah. Uh, That's not good, Dark Betty, don't do that again. That was a bad aesthetic choice.
0: Yeah, and what I noticed in the scene too is that like, so it opens in Edgar's office with the clicking ball things that I can never remember the name of.
1: I think they're called click clack balls. (laughs) Newton's cradle.
0: I immediately remembered.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: And then she goes into this room where there's the consistent dripping water, Mm -hmm. which is actually considered a torture tactic, but I think was part of this like soundscape situation.
1: Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 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 Although I don't think the water was dripping on her forehead.
0: No, it was not. Well, even in,
1: because that's Chinese water torture.
0: Right. But even in like modern torture tactics, like it's, it is the dripping on you, but like, sometimes it is also just used as a sound thing
1: Interesting. because like
0: the constant, and then if it is like a real drip, it'll start like, like resetting itself and not always being just like steady, which is infuriating. Yes.
1: Which is difficult for the human brain to process. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um, act break.
1: That's right. Then we had a character Named Louie.
0: Right. Well, first we have... first. But I want to talk Betty,
1: about how they named the character after me on the show.
0: So first, Betty has an idea, which leads into more get out. Second, there is a centaur named Louie.
1: Yes. So this character was named after me, right? Yeah. Yeah, clearly, because they're listening to the podcast.
0: There was right. not a question in my mind. The second they said it, I was like, yep.
1: You were like, oh, it's Louie.
0: Yep. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Kate and I... Well... We get Katie Keene, but I can't wait to meet Kate.
1: Yeah, Katie Keene was named after you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they gave me a walk-on. They gave you a whole series.
0: I know, mean, it's fair. So yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, fangs is sore. Fangs is sore because they are doing surgery on the children.
0: Yes, and now here's what I noticed- So he said that, like, they're turning their emotional pain into physical pain and then treating that. And, like, Fangs was like, oh, it's, like, in my back here. And, like, Kevin's was like, oh, it was my back, too, which didn't connect to me at the time. But what I did think about is when Betty came back out of seeing Dark Betty and Edgar said, where do you have pain? She pointed to her head. And I was like, he's going to physically fuck with her head.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting.
0: He's setting up for lobotomizing Betty.
1: Yes, yes. How scary is that?
0: That's. Terrifying. I think that's, I, don't know if, I don't. I didn't know if think Betty about realizes that. That's the surgery she's in for.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about it until you brought it up. But that's such a scary cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, and like, it would get Betty off his back.
1: Yeah, she'll be a automaton. Yeah. Basically, Yep. And also. The cutting, the body, body harm. Mm-hmm. I just watched a uh, very trashy show about Nexium uh-huh. on A You know, uh-huh. like a cult, like a cult show, and they were branding their people mm-hmm. with like a hot. It was like a burning piece of metal that they used as a pen.
0: Right. Well, this literally happened on Riverdale as well.
1: Oh with the uh with the with the symbols?
0: Yeah, they got branded. Remember Archie got branded in prison?
1: That's right, but was it like a a drawing brand? Was mm-hmm. It, it like...
0: was the hot poker, it was like a cow brand. Yeah, it's like
1: a cow brand, yeah. I, th- I just felt like this is a cult specific as well as like a brand or like some sort of body modification. Mm-hmm. But then it ended up being far worse than even that, obviously. Yeah. Yes.
0: So Kevin has this huge scar and I, again, where is Tom?
1: Yeah. Tom, who's been such a good dad up until now.
0: He just like decided to be a dad to Archie instead.
1: Yeah. Which is like, he awful. He created his kid. Yeah. You know, it's awful.
0: Okay. So now it's the steam room scene. And my big takeaway is how funny it is that in tile on the wall, in capital letters, it says boxing gym.
1: (laughs) Well, it is the boxing gym.
0: It is a boxing gym because we have two
1: boxing gyms. We do, in Riverdale, but no grocery stores. No grocery stores, two boxing gyms. So I did feel that in terms of like, Symbolically, I really did like that they were confronting each other with like no clothes on. And this isn't me getting thirsty. I feel like there's a primalness to this scene that's very vulnerable and scary. Yeah. And I thought it was very effective and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, just sort of seeing, you know, here's honestly, like, it's like if you're going to use these men's bodies. Uh, on film, it's like on screen, this is the way to do it. It's like, here's this like young live body. And then here's this like old, strong body. You know what I yeah. mean? And like, they're going to fight and it's going to be very primal. Yes. And very, uh, it's all very surface and very easy to decode, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. Yeah. Anyway, that's all, yeah. Well,
0: cool. so they're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veronica plays dumb, which I kind of liked finally seeing Veronica play dumb because I feel like consistently, she's been kind of just dumb.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, this is good writing of the character.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: Veronica is written as dumb or sort of making social mistakes and stuff yeah. or not understanding her money. I think that's not Veronica. I yeah. think Veronica's really smart and cares a lot about her friends. I said that on the podcast before and I think that this is a great episode for Veronica.
0: Yeah, I think this yeah. is Veronica. Yeah. So Ricky's in Fox Force, ready to ascend and Jelly Bean draws a map, which we're gonna talk about when we see the map.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think a lot of people notice this map. Anyway, the next thing is Betty plugging her ears with the candle wax, well, like and Get one Out, will- he plugged his ears with the cotton. And the cotton was more, I think, cause the cotton, it being cotton was very symbolic.
1: To yes.
0: Get Out, I don't think the wax had that same symbolism.
1: No other than the fact that Betty likes dripping hot candle wax all over Jughead's body, obviously. Yes, that's clearly
0: <laughs> what this was alluding to.
1: No, not at all, but yeah, but I,
0: think I we could see it as like because she was seeing her body double in this like kind of like house of wax situation, but I think that's digging and not what it was.
1: yeah, I think you're right. before that happened, Polly, this was the big tell. Polly yeah. said, to betty i've forgiven you for pushing me down the stairs right and it's like it is obvious i that's when i was like well it's clearly polly in the room yeah yeah and then guess what it ends up being polly in the room yep yes
0: uh so the next thing i want to talk about is jughead pulls out the map that jellybean drew and it is the most elaborate map. Yes. It's like, it's like, we have to get to him before he drinks this poison because he is going to drink poison in the next five minutes. Let's draw Candyland.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, Jellybean was like one moment. There was like
0: a fully like (laughs) here be dragon section of it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Jellybean, the cartographer of Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Um, so he gets there and Ricky's like, you're going to fight off these weirdos. And it's a bunch of boy scouts. Where are their parents?
1: Have we seen these guys before? Yes. When?
0: I don't remember, but I know we've, or we've seen like a buildup of scouts.
1: Are these Dilton's boy scouts? I think so. Okay. They've been left out in the wild now because yeah. Dilton has died.
0: Yeah. And it, their parents aren't looking because they are very close by and easy to find.
1: Yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> So they say they would like protect the princess And they chase after him And the princess is clearly Apple, Who we haven't seen in a while And she ends the act with Help me, Jughead Jones, you're my only hope
1: Which is just lovely Chef's kiss May the fourth be with you
0: Yeah, I didn't you know? mean it I'm not a big Star Wars fan And, and it was very heavy handed But
1: it was, it was, I just thought it was fun I enjoyed it
0: so, we find out that Ethel failed her mission, which was to send Betty to the Black Hood, which means she actually completed her mission, but then Betty was not murdered, which I guess is where she failed the mission
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: and then I felt in the scene, and I don't know how deliberate it was. Cole's acting was very similar to how Skeet has been acting.
1: Oh, that's interesting,
0: yeah, like his mannerisms and his like tone of voice and. Cadence.
1: That's cool, and he also he called Ethel boy as well. So yeah,
0: right. So that was the dead giveaway. Was the boy? boy. (laughs) Um. So Ethel though still loves the Gargoyle King because he's beautiful and she loves him,
1: Mm -hmm. which gave
0: this hint that like whoever the Gargoyle King is is good looking.
1: I I kind of thought it was maybe Edgar. That's what I thought. But no, we'll get to it
0: nope
1: uh um, Reggie's
0: in on the plan
1: cool and it was great to see reggie i just i like really? it when they use him
0: and i think he folded way too quickly but How so i feel like he's felt very used by veronica and veronica's recent schemes and then veronica was like guess what i have another one and he was like cool let's do it
1: yeah but reggie loves schemes <laughs> <laughs> like veronica could have been like we're gonna set up a water balloon above the door. So when my dad opens the door, the water balloon is gonna fall on him and Reggie would have been like, in. <laughs> like, that, that's what Reggie loves, yeah. you know? Reggie lives for schemes. So if you wanna win Reggie back, you give him a good scheme. <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, so we have this scene where Betty then like, so now Betty knows, how all these people have been seeing their loved ones Mm -hmm. and where are these children's parents?
1: Yeah, you know, they've just left them all to the farm.
0: Yep. They just let the kids go.
1: I mean, yeah, like Tony has a family. Yeah. Tony has. Cheryl, I feel, is left to her own devices.
0: Yes. Fangs, I don't know what his deal is.
1: No, Fangs. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Kevin
0: has a father, a mother, and a stepmother, and a stepsister, and none of them seem to care.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously, Josie's not like, hey, Kev. Yep, Sierra has no problem. Yeah, I feel, I'm like mad at all of them now. Yeah. But they're not looking after this this nice boy who's really been led astray. Yeah, anyway. um, so
0: then this is when it becomes, oh, and then she goes to Evelyn.
1: Uh, yes, yes, she does. This and- was a fun scene.
0: Right, which was, so she noticed that the drip was not purely dialysis, but that it was also the immunosuppressant for organ rejection.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Because she got some organs from Kevin and Fangs.
1: Yeah, why is she, why does she need their organs?
0: Because she's on dialysis. Because her kidneys
1: failed do you think this is a constant thing though that she's doing is just she do you think she's constantly replacing her organs or do you think this is a one-time thing for her that's what i'm wondering
0: i'm wondering that but i'm also thinking like it's so difficult to find transplant matches that she might be taking kidneys to like temporarily be able to like function for like a couple months and then they're rejected
1: Uh uh-huh yeah that's so scary yeah fuck you evelyn
0: Like people spend years finding a match for them and sometimes still reject that organ. And if she's looking for a match, she's very quickly rejecting them.
1: Yeah, yeah, so she's sick. She's, She's a sick character, yes.
0: Yeah, and so Betty's like interesting and goes and finds the freezer full of organs.
1: This was wonderful. What a great scene.
0: And the cooler says farm harvest program. And that's like, so these organs are in an underground market like this is like why you don't get lost in Tijuana because you wake up in a bathtub like totally exactly it is.
1: yeah, it's amazing.
0: And it's what not, a great
1: payoff for the farm plot line.
0: Yes, and it's not just kidneys and livers and pancreases and even lungs that like you can de- deal with. They have a heart like they've killed people.
1: Yes, yes. they've murdered people for their hearts. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and d- did you see this coming? Nope. No, and it's really fun. It's, it's
0: insane.
1: Now, now, I've thought a little bit about this in terms of like actual quality of story structure. Mm-hmm. we we were only getting the information this episode that Edgar was performing some sort of surgery on the farmies. Yeah. So it's not like this has been a long game. Yeah. Uh, in terms of this revelation. What so if that's Fred's heart? What if that's Fred's heart? Oh, th- that would be a ghoulish plotline on the show that I would not enjoy.
0: No, but you know, the farm's evil.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how how I, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast before. How they're going to deal with, uh, you know, Luke Perry's untimely death and pay tribute to him and to the character properly remains to be seen. And I think it's going to be quite difficult.
0: I think we'll find out in the beginning of next season. I think they just like had to scramble and get through this season and like need the time to like. I
1: think you're totally right. So I I really hope that it's not going to be a retroactive. Hey, by the way, when he went on his trip they stopped his car and cut out his His heart. heart. Yeah. Also, because of the heart, and you know, um, Luke Perry had a cardiac issue. I just don't it like it.
0: Was a stroke, but yes, sure. Oh
1: well, sorry, sorry. You you know what I mean. It's just it it's makes still me ghoulish. Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Anyway,
0: anyway, yeah. It it there was the foreshadowing did not happen until five minutes before it,
1: but it was still really fun. Yeah. and i love it and kudos to the writers that's yeah, so cool
0: truly it's out of nowhere.
1: F- Oregon harvesting oh my god what a nightmare
0: yeah um so they go to find this boy scout who's on the bus and have to trap the black hood on the bus and yes don't immediately call Jughead's dad
1: no why would they Jughead's a police officer Jughead to the rescue, teenage boy running around, you know, yeah, because totally. I think
0: At this point, the Black Hood is shoot on site. I think that it, FP just has to show up and shoot him. Like he doesn't have to like get in there and like handcuff him. Yeah,
1: be like, stop, he can just shoot him. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, he just needs to show yeah. up.
1: Yeah, um, this scene though still was really fun. It was totally creepy. It's really the first time you've seen the Black Hood in the light like this, Uh which had a bit of a, just like a bit of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe, because a lot of that film happens in the daylight, and is like very effective in that way, Um, which I like. Also, definitely the hook hand thing is very, I know what you did last summer, Uh but this is now the second scene in the show where he's using his hook hand and dragging it and that's very freddy Yes. so i like this combo of you know movie monsters that we're seeing with the black hood right now
0: yeah and i think like part of seeing him in daylight for this first time like this too is like ramping up that like he was very like he was killing people before but it was like select people and now that he is in the daylight it is like he is out for blood and he will kill whoever he sees like in previously, yes, he feels like, confident yeah like previously like Jughead and Ethel wouldn't really be targets because he was like going after sinners and now it's like he was showing up to kill like a, a kid
1: yeah absolutely yeah yeah he's showing up to just murder a child
0: yeah there's no like scary rhyme-
1: stuff and really fun
0: There's no like rhyme or reason behind his murders anymore. He's just like murdering to murder.
1: Yeah, no, you were very right. And then we had the El Royale. This is after the act break. Mm -hmm. This exterior, I am almost certain is like an exterior from Arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Probably just, okay. You know, okay, here we go. Industrial. Yep. So then we figure out that Veronica is going to get Hiram arrested.
0: Right. For betting at Le Bon Nuit.
1: Yes. Where and a bunch of the
0: betters are not watching the fight. <laughs> Just like, I guess they'll tell me.
1: No, instead, what they're watching is a needless musical number. Yeah.
0: Didn't need to be there. What?
1: What song was this?
0: I did okay, I wrote Daddy Made Me. Let me see if I can find. Yeah. It's a Beyonce song! Really? I think so. It was
1: so jazzy.
0: This is a Beyonce song. I think she did this with the Dixie Chicks.
1: That's very interesting. It's well, Beyonce. great.
0: Featuring the Dixie Chicks, I was right, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh... What? Well, great. It's still Ah. with And then the whole fight scene. Mm -hmm. Did you love it as much as me? Because I kind of loved it.
0: I did. I didn't like that. I think Hiram bought the ref.
1: Oh, yeah. That is probably what... Yes, that's probably what happened there. But I loved the gloves off.
0: Yeah, which is also, by the way, safer.
1: Really? Than, Than gloves?
0: Yes, because with gloves you can punch. That's where all the concussions come from because you can punch with all your force. But with bare knuckles, because you have to like save your bones, you don't punch as hard, and there's not as much head trauma.
1: Oh, very interesting. Because yeah. it sure was effective to make it seem like it was just a brutal fucking fight. Yeah, it's which I love.
0: Bloodier, but the long-term effects of it are
1: yes, are yeah, are less less pronounced. Yeah. yeah, And I loved how bloody the fight was and how primal this was. And to see these two characters do this after all this time. I know. It was really satisfying.
0: Yeah. Oh, and then, okay, so the feds raid Le Bon Nuit. hmm And then while this is happening, we start getting, like, really weird angles on the fight. Camera angles. Yes. That was, like, really, like, isolating and, like, weird and upsetting. And then, like... They come to arrest Hiram and well, first Hiram says, I won
1: Mm -hmm. and then Archie
0: gets this great line. That's like, nope, Mm -hmm. I was just keeping you busy.
1: Yeah, you asshole. He's just the worst. It was so satisfying.
0: Yeah, we got him.
1: Him also being like the Trumpian figure of the show.
0: Okay, so here's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, uh, do you watch last week tonight?
1: Um, only a little bit. Not as much so as I should. Every time,
0: like, Trump gets caught in a lie, they have a button that he slams. He goes, we got him! And they slam the button and there's, like, confetti and balloons and, like, a band.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's a joke that it's like, because, like, we fucking didn't, we just can't.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: kind of how I felt about this, was the, like, we got him! But, like, he's gonna weasel his way out.
1: Well, we'll see, because we had a wonderful scene in the jail that was very satisfying
0: yeah and they- it would
1: be it would be fun to have him lay low for a while in the sh- in yeah. the context of the show and focus on other things. and then when he comes back, it's really fun and big, you know. Yeah. yeah. So then we had our act break and then we had this scene in the jail. and this is a minor complaint,
0: uh-huh
1: because I feel like this is actually good writing in terms of Hiram still trying to be emotionally manipulative. Uh But he was like, my own daughter. And it was like, this is all she's been doing
0: for like
1: years (laughs) with you now.
0: Yeah, like three episodes ago, you were mad at her for this.
1: Yeah, like this is all she, like, he's constantly surprised. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is your relationship. I can't believe you're still surprised at this. Yeah. But Uh then Veronica had that wonderful, she got to say, I won, daddy
0: yeah
1: and that was amazing. That yeah, was really amazing. She did. I wish that Hermione had been in this episode a little more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm hoping she's in the next episode a lot more. yeah, because I feel like I kind of want like an a, a emancipation of Hermione Lodge plotline going on here, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. anyway. And then oh. Mary pokes her her head in. Mm -hmm. And says that she thinks Archie and Veronica are endgame. I know. And this is really a great opinion to have as really someone who's mostly an absentee mother. Sorry, Mary.
0: Yeah. I really like when someone who doesn't know their own child dictates their child's life.
1: Yeah, and encourages their child romantically as well, which is a nice thing to do.
0: Yeah, their child who has recently gone through... Hell, yes. and that you have been present for. Yes. joyed
1: Yeah, didn't like that.
0: Yep, and then Ethel tells Jughead who the Gargoyle King is.
1: And it's Richard Kind!
0: Finally! <laughs> we finally got Richard! We've been talking about this since the beginning of season two!
1: Yes, it was Richard Kind the whole time! No, it was it was Jason fucking Blossom.
0: I know, and then okay. So here's a funny th- thing, though, is that like, so Jughead calls Betty and is like, "It's Jason," and Betty's like, "You know what you have to do," and I'm like, "We have to kill the Gargoyle King." And then he's like, "He's like, like, dig him up," and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, or that too, that works." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this was so fun. Oh, Joycat has to dig up Jason's body. What a shock. I can't wait to learn how Jason skirted death. There's, yeah. that vi- there's that video. Is Jason? Has Jason been working with Cliff the whole time?
0: Kevin found his body. This then implicates Dr. Kirtle as well.
1: Yeah, it implicates Dr. Kirtle. Yeah, whose body was that Unless- in Sweetwater River?
0: Now here's the thing to think about. We have discussed before that the Gargoyle King is three children on each other's shoulders. Could we be weekend at bernie him?
1: Oh, that would be creep. But how would they have kept his body in enough of good shape for so long? You know, bombs. So yeah, I, that would be wonderful. I'd love that to be a plot line that they're manipulating Jason's dead body.
0: Right, which means there is still another person behind the Gargoyle King. That Ethel's. Ricky.
1: Noticed. It's just it's just Ricky. <laughs> it's
0: just Ricky holding him. <laughs> I'm the gargoyle king. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how it's gonna be. So Betty goes and shows an organ to Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl believes her.
1: And then yes, yes, and then Cheryl believes her, and Cheryl comes too, which is great. A good moment for Cheryl yeah then we had a shutter island reference but i can't remember exactly what it was but it was cool
0: yeah it was right before she like opened the cooler she was like uh here's your ticket to shutter island that's right
1: that's right yeah anyway it
0: wasn't like a cool sly reference to shutter island she just said shutter island
1: it was a reference reference to shutter island yeah
0: (laughs) Um, and then betty goes to tell kevin and fangs who were playing hacky sack in like a fun college dorm from 1998.
1: I know Hacky Sack Time Interrupted for <laughs> Kevin and Fangs. Just Are like they play their hacky sack.
0: Are they a couple right now?
1: Yeah, they're a couple that plays hacky sack and listens to spin doctors.
0: But like I just like they can't decide what to do with Fangs sexually, I guess. I guess he's bisexual, but like it's just not like
1: really addressed. That's okay. I yeah. like that. I mean, I like that it's kind of a non-issue. Fangs likes who he likes. That's great.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, but it also just like is is Kevin in like a happy relationship again? Like I don't, I don't know. Yes, so, that's it's confusing.
1: Because they it's because they haven't focused enough on Kevin in the last like half of the season to for us to really know. Yeah, they've they've been using Kevin sort of for plot instead of for character, and we haven't. I mean, it, it, that hasn't been great.
0: Yeah. Um. So Betty has to like try and fight them off. Meanwhile yeah, and
1: for a and- moment she succeeds. She needs Kevin in his private parts.
0: Yes, which I loved.
1: I loved too. Definitely.
0: Um, and then we have Cheryl and Tony running. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl lets Tony go, and then Cheryl fights, and Cheryl's a good fighter.
1: Yes, and that whole scene I thought was so effective. Yes. And very moving. And yeah. I loved it and uh tony has escaped cheryl has not what house of horror is away cheryl something really scary i think yeah yeah act break
0: archie goes to
1: veronica yes i liked all this archie goes to veronica veronica is with reggie unsurprisingly this was a very well written well acted scene they all behaved like real human beings here
0: well here So I felt like they act like human beings and they were all really respectful of each other. Yeah, which
1: I liked. I think it was modeling actually fairly healthy behavior.
0: Yes, but then Veronica asked Archie to stay.
1: Which I also think I understand that. I think that's her really trying to make the best out of a very bad situation and her really trying to acknowledge that she has a lot of respect and love for Archie, even if it's not currently romantic. And she's just like trying to parse through it really quickly and not knowing how to deal with it, which only made the whole thing more awkward and difficult. But I liked that. I thought that was very, that felt very true to life to me. You know, like, oh my God, this guy, I don't want to hurt his feelings. That's the last thing I want to do. Maybe he can like hang out for a drink with us. Maybe that's the best thing to do. Yeah. And then Archie being the bigger man and just being like, no, I'm okay.
0: Yeah, I'm glad Archie. You guys have a good night. Yeah.
1: Which is also Archie being written well as well. This is Archie with a lot of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. not being a dope. And that's yeah. my Archie. That's the real Archie Yeah. <laughs> right there. Mm-hmm. So I liked that a lot. I thought this was all great. And... This is basically a Betty, Veronica, Archie love triangle with the genders reversed and is much more interesting. Yes. So that's all really cool. I think this is a smart thing for the show to do.
0: Yeah. You know, this is a (laughs) wrestling. So we're at the boathouse history and there's two high schoolers, like, not on our team, thank God, like, wrestling each other in the parking lot. And a couple of the coaches. Oh, no. And they're like, what the fuck? And then one of the coaches noticed there was a girl standing like five feet away. And we we're like, oh, well, there's what it is. And that's what I'm afraid this is going to turn into.
1: Oh, they're going to beat each other up over Veronica.
0: Yeah, that they're going to be like proving their manliness in a way that like, because it's a very high school thing to do.
1: That's true. I hope that it's smarter than that. Yeah. Um, And I'd love it if it was uh, a real reversal where Veronica's calling the shots, which, you know, because the trope sort of from the comics with Archie and Betty and Veronica's, it's always kind of like, well, who's Archie gonna ask out on a date? Who's Archie going to take to the prom? Which one of them will he choose? Um, And also very often it's, is he going out with Betty uh because he's settling because veronica is otherwise occupied mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. so i'd really like it if that was reversed in a way that it's who's veronica choosing what's veronica's what what are veronica's wishes what's she doing yeah. um i think that that's i think that would be kind of cool and empowering to see but mm-hmm. we will see
0: yep um so betty wakes up or we see Betty, you know, Betty wakes up, chained to the operating table.
1: This is so scary.
0: Mm -hmm. And this This is is so
1: effective.
0: This is when it really set in for me that her pain was in her head.
1: Yes, yes. That's such a smart observation. That's really cool. I didn't think about that. I think it's great. Yeah. So yeah, are they gonna lobotomize her? How scary is that?
0: Yes, someone needs to burst down the door in the next like 10 seconds.
1: Who's it gonna be? Who's gonna burst down the door?
0: That's, a, well, cause in for a second I was like Jughead, but Jughead's busy digging.
1: Yes, Jughead is occupied. Yeah. Is the Black Hood gonna come in?
0: Is the Black Hood gonna come in? We don't know where Cheryl is right now.
1: Yup, it could, could be Cheryl. Cheryl
0: have, could Cheryl have convinced Kevin and Fangs? Because Betty's been this doubter this whole time that's easy to write off. But if Cheryl comes in now and is like, no guys, like Betty's for real.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, did Cheryl effectively fight off everybody that was after her at the farm?
0: Or, I mean, we know that they did eventually kind of have her under wraps, but what did they then do with
1: her? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these are all good cliffhanger questions. Mm
0: -hmm. This is
1: exciting. And then, last scene, Jughead's digging up.
0: He is a very fast digger.
1: Jughead's very, he's a good digger. He's digging up the coffin and look who's inside
0: nobody no
1: one not even louis the centaur
0: the last thing i wrote was what
1: i know this is so exciting i know this is gonna be if they pull it off this is gonna be a killer season finale this for us is... another season that's been somewhat uneven
0: this is i think the most excited i've ever been watching the show
1: yeah, and we've had such a hard relationship this season.
0: Even like the, the first show. season that like I feel like we were excited about for so much. I feel like this is like this is it. Like this is what I'm about this is like I don't watch Game of Thrones, but like everyone was like so excited two weeks ago. Like this is how I feel.
1: Yeah, and this episode of Riverdale didn't have any misplaced Starbucks cups.
0: No misplaced Starbucks cups. Good lighting.
1: Yeah, good lighting. But I think this oh, good for you, Riverdale. one
0: after the episode with the bad lighting.
1: It was. That was post-bad lighting. There was a Starbucks cup. Yep.
0: Yeah, which they <laughs> if you go watch it now, they edited it out, which is a bummer. But, they left it.
1: But this is content or non-content for my other podcast. Louis pretends that he knows what Game of Thrones is about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first, like, two episodes. It was like, I don't like this. And then <laughs> Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> and and like, now it's... Cultural yeah. phenomenon.
0: But like everyone was talking about it. I've decided my thing is that anytime someone's like, oh, do you watch Game of Thrones? I say, well, you didn't watch the leftovers.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which, by the way, <laughs> for anyone listening, if you liked the opening scene of Endgame, you'll love that. Yes, leftovers.
1: that's the leftovers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So who's on your power list?
0: <laughs> my number one was Jason Blossom.
1: That's very smart.
0: My number two is Edgar. Uh huh. My number three was Veronica. Uh huh. And then my actual number one was Vegas.
1: Of course. Mine is in a little bit of different order, but it's Veronica, mm-hmm. Jughead, okay. Archie, mm-hmm. Edgar, mm-hmm. the Black Hood, mm-hmm. and then at the bottom with a question mark, Jason.
0: Yeah. First my time
1: o- he's ever been on the list.
0: My only disagreement is Archie because it was not his plan.
1: It wasn't his plan, but he he was needed to execute it, I feel. And he, you know, got some good shots in to Hiram, yeah, <laughs> which was very satisfying, yeah. who was on your crush list?
0: So I will say within fifteen to twenty seconds is how Betty and Cheryl got on my crush list. Is them mm-hmm. fighting? I was like, yes,
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's fair. <laughs> that's not yeah, them got. fighting.
0: And then I also put Jughead.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jughead, Jughead really rocked it in this episode. Mine is different. Okay. Mine is in tribute to this love triangle. It's Archie, Reggie, and Veronica. Okay. Which I just- I actually think almost
0: was like, and then remembered Cheryl fighting and was like, no, Cheryl.
1: Yeah, Cheryl's the best, yeah. Yeah. So final episode of the season next week. I know. And episode 59 of our podcast.
0: Wow. Almost like 69.
1: Yeah, brah. It's
0: going to be a celebration.
1: Yeah. Well, we are going to have to do something special for our 60th episode. And like maybe do do a bonus episode and our 69th episode. I think our Definitely. 69th episode
0: is more important than our 60th.
1: Well, yeah, brah. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, what's the title of the season finale?
0: I didn't look it up. Let me look it up.
1: Okay. My apologies this. for putting you on the spot.
0: No, I I do it every week except for this one time. Sick Survive the Night is a 2012 Canadian horror film. Yeah. Survivors of a zombie apocalypse attempt to find a cure and stay alive overnight during a siege. So maybe this will be the episode with bad lighting we've been talking about.
1: Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think we can anticipate some sort of big conflict with maybe a lot of like a lot of extras or characters, like farmies or something, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe a uniting of the Griffins and Gargoyles players with the Farmies. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like our core character is like barricaded in some sort of, you know, uh, some sort of safe house, maybe the school. That's what I anticipate. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really fun.
0: Yeah, uh, I haven't seen the next week on clip because they don't put it on the CW
1: app. I saw the next week on clip and it looks, it looks fun, but I think they really didn't show anything is what I'm going to say. I
0: feel like... In season one and season two, the penultimate episode was like the big one. And then like, they kind of settled everything in the last one. But I feel like this is still building.
1: No, this is going to, I think this is going to end. I think you're right. It's going to end on like a major cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to, it's going to be really fun. And then we're going to have the summer to conjecture, which yes. is great. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Kate, this has been great. Yes. We want to thank our editor, Angelie Mercado. And our theme songwriter
0: Louis Aronowitz.
1: Absolutely.
0: Louis was named after him and not you.
1: That's great. I love Louis Aronowitz, so it's totally fine. As long as he wasn't named after either Louis CK uh-huh. or Louis Anderson. Gross. Yes. Neither of them.
0: Yeah. Louis Armstrong, it's, Lou it's okay.
1: Or Lou Pearlman. Or Lou Pearlman. Yeah, my 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 fucking doppelganger.
0: Yeah, you poor thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I have some stories about being mistaken for Lou Pearlman on the internet. It's awful. Anyway, Kate, this has been awesome. Yes. And uh, we'll wrap it all up next week. Yeah. All right, pals and gals. We'll see you on another episode of XOXO Riverdale.